Welcome to Romans Untangled, the podcast where we take a seemingly difficult book of the Bible and untangle it so that we can enjoy its beauty. Season 4, Episode 3, Gospel Living in Community. Romans 12, 9-21. The book of Romans has been an exciting theological journey into the inner workings of how this gospel, this gospel of Jesus Christ, how it actually works to justify us before God and give us new life in him. And I know for a lot of you, you're theology geeks, and of course you are because you're this far into Romans Untangled. But for for many of you who are sitting there waiting for something that's practical and you want some practical instructions and you want to see how this can change your life and change your church and change your world, you are in for a treat this week as we look at Romans 12, 9 through 21. Hey, Pastor Steve Treichler here. I hope you're doing well. I really do. I hope that no matter what you're going through, and it is always a struggle, no matter what, I hope that uh, you're really sensing God's presence and the peace and joy that comes because of the beautiful gospel of Jesus in your life, that that would just be the very oxygen that you are breathing this week. Um, Yeah, it's uh, it's still fall here in Minnesota, and uh, we enjoy very much the change of seasons. We have fall being my very favorite, and so uh, we're excited about that, excited about getting out the flannels again and all that happens. All right, now, we're going to dive right into this because there's so much going on. I want to get right after it. Uh, We are going to look at Romans 12, 9 through uh, 21 this week, but in order to do that, I just want to remind you where we've come from, okay? So I I just want to read the first eight verses as we dive into this. It took two podcasts to go through this. So the first podcast, we just did the first two verses, and that was Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you there for brothers, brothers and sisters, he means, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world or to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, so we talked a lot about what does it mean then to actually, as a result of the gospel, therefore, a result of all of it, all of God's plans, what Christ has done for you, what is ultimately then our response? Lay our own bodies on the altar, and that's our real worship, to say, God, I just give you everything. I give you me. I lay it all down, right? And don't be transformed. Don't be conformed. Don't take the patterns of this world and let them conform you, but be transformed by the continual renewing of your mind. And therefore, you'll be able to look at what God wants, his will for your life, his will in the gospel, uh, even some of the sufferings you're going through, and see that as God's good plan, even though it may be difficult, right? So this is huge. This is not a small thing. And I think uh, in our day and age especially, we are going through a period of time where the the conformities or the patterns of this world are so pushing in on us, especially if you're a younger person, it's pushing in on people, even people in the church in great ways, and causing many to, to, to push away their Christian ideas and their Christian faith, and instead following some of the patterns of the world. Now, 
Uh, we could spend a whole time talking just about that, and I, I, I may in a future podcast series I'm thinking of doing called Trike with a Mic, where I just have some things I want to talk about. But that's another whole <laughs> thing for another day. Today, though, I just want to talk about that as Christians, we are not out of this world. So we love all of the world. We love all of the people in the world. We, they're not our enemies, right? Not really, even though they may come across that way. They're not our enemies. They are our fellow human beings. We are to treat them with love and acceptance and, and care for them. With that said, though, we're different. We're different people. We, 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 we live differently. We think about things in light of what God has done, first and foremost, always, in everything. We take whatever is out there, whatever idea it is, and we filter it through the scriptures and see if it actually filters through or not. And if it does, uh, if the Bible says that's a great way to think, then that's great. But otherwise, we, we, are, we hold those things very, very loosely, the things that we learn outside of scripture, the, the patterns of this world. Then he goes on to say, for by the grace, verse three, now we spent last week talking about this, for the, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, that you should not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment, according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And we talked about that as there are different measures for different people, and there's different ways of in, interpreting this. And I think what Paul's getting at here is that it's the way that God has given you a certain thing, but it's not a, everybody has the same measure of faith, uh, and and so it seems to it would seem to make no sense uh, with the rest of the context saying that we're all one in Christ and we all have different fun, uh, different uh, uh, different parts that we play. There's not really one that's more important. One doesn't have a higher measure. It keeps on going then to say, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all the same function. So we though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Wow, what a cool thought to think about your church and that's. You're all in this together. Your problems are my problems. Your, your celebrations are my celebrations. Your strengths are my strengths. Your weaknesses are my weaknesses. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in a proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, and so we just said, hey, you're, you're no one is the end user of grace here. The point of grace is that you're a conduit or a straw, we talked about. The Holy Spirit blows through you to affect others. You bless others by using your spiritual gifts. They're not really yours, though. You're not the, it's, it goes through you and is given to other people. And that's kind of the big point. That It's very important that we did a little review there because what we're going to look at now is I think I haven't I haven't measured this, but I'm pretty sure that this is the 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 biggest list of things, very practical uh, admonitions of what gospel living looks like in community. I, I think in the New Testament, Romans twelve nine through twenty one. In, in fact. Um, Often verses uh, nine through twenty, uh, excuse me, nine through sixteen are, are read at weddings and talking about how to live in community with one another in a, in a marriage, and it's beautiful. And what what we're getting at here is that w- w- there's kind of a progression here, though. We're in chapter twelve of the book of Romans. In other words, we've already spent time talking about significant gospel truths, and let me just name them, okay? 
So first of all, we had gospel justification. How does God justify the ungodly person, right? And that happens one time at your conversion. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, God then justifies the ungodly. He makes you righteous in Christ. Also, then is gospel transformation. You're not just you're not just being given a, a, a grace card so that you're not going to have to pay for your sins. There's something else that takes place, and that is you are transformed. The, the Holy Spirit has, the Bible calls it, regenerated you. You have gospel transformation. That happens one time at conversion. Uh, again, as a Reformed person, I think that happens right before we're converted, and yet I still believe that out of our own free choices, we should look at all the options in the world, but God opens our eyes to see that he's the best. But anyway, that's again, that's another podcast. But so gospel transformation happens at regeneration. Then I'm going to call it gospel power for living. This is the continual, call it sanctification if you want. That happens all the time by the Holy Spirit, every day. Every day I lean into what's true about my justification and what's true about my regeneration, and I lean into the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit leans into me, and all the time I'm being given gospel power to do the last thing, which is gospel living. I can only do gospel living when I have the other ones done, and that is living out our union with Christ in the power of the Spirit to the glory of the Father. Okay, so the whole Trinity is involved. We this is what it looks like. And the, the, the order is hugely important because if I start with the, the gospel living and I say, if I live right, then God will accept me. That's completely backwards. That is the law. And that's not where we're aiming here. What we're aiming here at is that we would uh, live out a certain way. So in every one of these admonitions, and what we're going to read, I'm going to read it here in just a second. To my count, uh, there's... 25 different things that Paul's telling you, admonitions, encouragements. He's saying this is what gospel living looks like in community, both in the church and outside the church. This is what it's going to look like. Um, And next week, we'll look at what it looks like in society by specifically looking at how we're engaged with uh, kind of the overall government uh, process here. And you could even add some more if you include the quote when he quotes from Proverbs 25. But I'm just going to stick with 25. There are 25 things here that Paul's telling you to do. And if you just started there, you'd say, oh, that's what the gospel is. I need to do all this stuff. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is you are transformed so that you're now set free to do all this stuff. And it's a major difference, those two ways of looking at it. Okay, with all that said, let's go ahead and read our passage for this week. Romans 12, 9 to 21. I'm going to use the New International Version. That's uh, the version I read for devotional life. And I I like the way it flows a little bit better than the ESV. But if you're an ESV person, I'll I'll pray for you. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's great. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, 
but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I miscounted there. I didn't see that last one. It was on another page here for me on my notes. That's number 26, the last part. In fact, you could call that 26 and 27 because it's got two different parts. So it's actually 27. How do you like that? Fixes it right in the middle of the podcast. Okay, so there's a lot going on here, right? And commentators are all over the map on like, is there an order here? Is he kind of, is there a flow to it all? And uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's a little bit of a hodgepodge. I'm, I'm going to kind of agree with um, most of them say there seems to be kind of a hodgepodge of things. There's a little bit of a flow you'll see. And again, I think, I think we're going to see when we get to Romans 13 that he starts off with the, the granddaddy of them all, and he says, love must be sincere. And a lot of people say that's the heading, and then everything else falls underneath it. I don't disagree with that. I think that's maybe a help, helpful way of thinking about this. I went through here, and I just highlighted in, in this whole passage, I just put on a piece of paper the, the, the different, uh, the different uh, admonitions here, the exhortations, the things that Paul's telling us to do. And I just highlighted them, and it's just encouraging love hate evil, cling to good, be devoted to one another, honor, don't lack zeal, keep your spiritual fervor, be joyful, in hope, patient, faithful, share, practice hospitality, and it goes on and on. And as I read that, I thought, gosh, that is, on a good day, that's what the church looks like, right? That's so beautiful. And it's this community that functions like this because they're living out the gospel and there's ways they're just like, oh my goodness, um, the church is just acting in such a absolutely beautiful, beautiful way with one another. And I remember I've done many weddings where they read this to one another. And I, I the first thing I say after that, you know, it's usually they read the passages and then it's my turn to give a little ser- shorter sermon uh, for a wedding. And I just say, do that. In light of the gospel, do that with one another, and you know it, it's it's amazing. the The monthly magazine, the it used to be called the Atlantic Monthly, but it's just called the Atlantic now. It did a I don't know twenty five year study or whatever. What makes marriages last and and do well? And they came up with one word, and the word was kindness. <laughs> now, I think that's a lot of validity. To that this is basically what does it mean? to love God so much, be so grateful for what he's done that it impacts how I respond to the people around me. I respond in a certain way. And the gospel allows me to look at each one of these. Obviously, we don't have time to go into all 27 of them in depth, but I get to. And ask hard questions of them and say, is my love sincere? I'm not trying to measure up. I'm just asking, am I being sincere in my love, are there strings attached? Do I really hate evil? Do I really hate evil? 
Do I really cling on to what is good? Am I really devoted to one another? Am I honoring other people even above myself? Right? And I love this thing where he says in verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, or as some uh, people have translated that to say, what he's really getting at here is the idea of keep the Spirit's flame alive in your life. Keep that going. Keep that resonating. Keep that as number one. Be joyful in hope, and hope means that you're, 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 you're going through things that you don't yet have what you want, but you're, you're joyful in that. You're patient in affliction. You're patient. I, I got to be honest, that's just not my best, that's not my strong suit. I'm an impatient person, you know? The old joke that, Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. I can't do this anymore, right? <laughs> Faithful in prayer. Faithful in prayer, just gotta just seek you. I come to you. I want to come to you because you're the source. Do I share with people who are in need? Especially, it says in the inside the church here, sharing with the Lord's people who are in need. So the first thirteen verses are really what does it look like in particularly? It's it's definitely talking about you know uh, how we're supposed to respond to all people, but especially in the church community, are we living that way with other believers? Are we generous with them? Let me just encourage you right now with one thing. I just will mention this one thing. Is right now we live in a very much a cancel culture. We live in a one strike and you're out culture. You said something that hurt me, whether you intended to or not, and I'm done with you. And and I just want to I just want to push on that a little bit. I think in light of the gospel, I think we get to cancel no one. And I don't, I don't think that means we get to trust everybody. No, and we don't give them a certain place in our lives again if they continue to hurt us. No, but I don't think we get to cancel them in that sense. I think we are to not give up on people and keep encouraging them and keep uh, discipling them as well as ourselves in the gospel. That's difficult. It's hard right now. Everybody's on edge, very much on edge. And as I record this podcast, it's a fall of 2023. We are right now in the United States going to be going through another national election, and it's just going to raise this national stress we have. And it'll come into the church, and we had it come in 2016, big time, uh, in our church and in 2020, even though, of course, that was uh, accentuated by the pandemic and and uh, the death of George Floyd and all kinds of other things. We're going to, in the middle of verse 13, we're shifting gears to talking about practicing or, or uh, certain types of gospel living, uh, that how we live to all people, but it's leaning now into people in the church, but also outside the church. Listen to what he says. He says, practice hospitality. Now, hospitality, of course, can mean having people over, your friends and all that, but all over scripture, it's talking about hosp- real hospitality is welcoming people who don't normally get invited to people's homes. Uh, inviting your neighbors over, inviting coworkers over, inviting people who are like, oh, that that was really nice of you to take an opportunity to invite people who are not necessarily close friends. So it's leaning towards outsiders here. And it, as a result of that, he moves into, Paul then kind of shifts gears in verse 13, bless those who persecute you. Wow. Wow. Bless and do not curse. That's hard. 
right? Because I'm justified. If somebody persecutes me wrongly, I'm justified in standing up for myself and really getting after them and wanting to see their demise. And the gospel doesn't do that. The gospel says it's all level ground at the foot of the cross, and Jesus is the center of it, and therefore I want their best. I'm praying for their best. I've had several conflicts, of course, in 27 years of being a pastor. I've had some people who are very mad at me, and I've gotten mad at others. I'm not going to say that I've ever done this thing perfectly. Believe me, i first to admit that that's not true. But one of the things that sets me free from bitterness is praying for them. Praying that God would bless them. That God, you would set them free from bitterness as well. You'd set them free to forgive me, you know, and I, I whether they can or not, that's up to them. But we, we are called to bless, to be a blessing to people. One of the exercises I, I do often is I, I think about that when I wake up and I say, God, today, every single person I come in contact with, can I be a blessing to? Now, that might be saying some hard words to them, yeah. But it's to bless them and not to curse, not to tear down. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Get down in the muck with people. Live in harmony with one another. That's a beautiful phrase. I'm not out here just to stir the pot, just to stir the pot, just to get followers on Instagram or or on Facebook or Twitter or X as it's called now. Uh, I'm, I'm not just, I'm actually, what I really want to see in our world is I want to see harmony. Then it says, don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. People who are not going to be able to give me anything back. People who are just going to be, uh, uh, you know, perhaps socioeconomically or perhaps mentally or maybe chemical addiction uh, or homeless or whatever. However you define low position, do, do, I, do I look down on these people? If I do, I've got a gospel problem. I, I'm not grasping the gospel enough to how I move forward with these people. Just don't be conceited. From there, he's going to go on with one point, right? There's the one point. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. That's his idea here from verses 17 all the way to the end, right? Right? And he's basically going to say here that your response to evil is not to trash people. In the gospel, our response to that is a certain thing. What is it? First off, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Be above reproach when you're in the, in the in the throes of others doing evil. Wow. Okay. Next thing, if it is all as much as it's possible, as far as it depends on you, he says in verse 18, live at peace with everyone. In the midst of this, I am to be a peacemaker. I am to be kind. I am to rebuke gently. I am to be those that type of person that quite frankly is kind and loving. Then he says, don't take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. For as written, it's mine to avenge, I'll repay. And then he goes into this saying from uh, Proverbs 25. And the saying says this, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And that passage was obscure in the Old Testament, and it's obscure when he's Talking about it here in Romans, commentators are all over the map on this one. And so what I mean by that is some are saying, wait, is he actually saying that I do this so that I'm going to make my enemy's life worse? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be nice to them so then they're getting angry and their lives are miserable because they have heaping coals on their head. Well, 
That could be an outcome of what happens here, right? But that can't be his point because he just got done saying, don't do things out of revenge. That seems revengeful, right? What most people take it to mean is this, this idea of heaping, heaping coals on his head is, is an act of shame. In other words, they will see the way you're responding and the way they're not responding, and it will heap shame upon them in a good way. Now, that's, shame today is used in such a, a way that it just means shame is always bad. But this idea of looking at my own behavior and saying, that's not right, and I repent of it, and ultimately... Ultimately, what we want, even for those who speak very poorly of us and perhaps slander us, you might have family members who have ostracized you for your faith in Jesus. And yet what we want is we pray for them, we bless them. Think of the Apostle Paul praising God and praying for the ones who were actually holding him in jail. That's what this means that we want to see these folks come to Jesus Christ. And the way that that happens is they see the way we respond, that it's just not like everybody else. There's something different about us because the gospel has justified us, has transformed us, has empowered us to live a certain way, that we're just different now as a result. It is beautiful. And then he closes the whole section with two more admonitions here, which kind of flow into all of this. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In every age, there's been a lot of evil. I'm not going to say that we have more evil now. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know how you quantify such a thing. But I know for Carol and I, that's my, my lovely bride now of 35 years, we at times just get overwhelmed by it. I mean, it just you're just overwhelmed. You just feel like this tsunami of evil and tsunami of anti-God and tsunami of people mocking Jesus and mocking the church. And 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 there's the church has a lot lot to be repentful of, for sure. But scripture here says, don't be overcome by that. That that we know who wins this thing. That I've read the back of the book and Jesus Christ reigns. And he says, then overcome evil with good. Just because of the gospel, you can live good. Now, I scratched the surface of these 27 different admonitions here. I would love for you to take time and to do a deep dive. And because of the gospel, you can look at these things and say, Lord, I, I'm really weak on that. I'm really weak on hospitality. I really am not hospitable. Or you know what? I'm really weak on blessing those who have persecuted or slandered me. God, by the power of your gospel, would you change me? Would you just change me? Just spirit, transform me. Spirit, empower me. Spirit, give me the ability to live this way because of what you've done. That's my encouragement for you. Go back through this list and just imagine what would it look like if you allowed the Spirit of God to let you live like that. This is, this is living to its highest. This is freedom right here. Not a list of things that I got to check every day that I do, but it's a, it's a list that says, we're free to live like this. We want to reimagine what life could be like if we live that way. Let me encourage you with that. May you and I have the power through the Spirit to start to really taste what this kind of living looks like in our lives. 
Thanks for joining me this week on Romans Untangled. Next week, we are going to have a gas. We're going to look at Romans 13, the beginning of Romans 13, and we look at one of the most important passages in all of Scripture and how Christians are to be engaged with government. That'll be fun, for sure. We'll see you next time on Romans Untangled.